never fail You never cease to amaze me My goal today would be that you catch a glimpse of who Jesus is. That if you can get a picture of what Jesus was like, it would so radically change who you are that you would never want to be the same again. I praise God for worship that points us to the person of Jesus. And worship that focuses us on the magnificence and the beauty of our Savior. Last weekend I was gone. My wife and I are both in the military. And I'm gone one week in a month. And I appreciate Brother Dave Canfield for sharing what God has done in his life. As I was with those military guys, I started thinking about the camaraderie that soldiers share. And I read some things this week. Uh, even saw last night watching the Olympics. You may have seen it about stuff that went on with Winston Churchill and the people that fought against the Nazis. I found that in America, during World War II, 11.2% percent of the nation served for four years in the military. During the Vietnam era, 4.3 percent served in the military. So it went from 11.2 percent of the population during World War II to 4.3 percent of the population in the Vietnam era. And since 2001, less than one percent, it's actually point Four or five percent of our population has served in the global war on terror. But even though I am proud to serve our nation in the military, I don't want an American flag draped over my coffin. You see, that American flag will not help me get out of that coffin one day. But the Christian flag will. Before I am a soldier, I am a Christian. Before I am an American, I am a Christian. And before we are Republican or Democrat, we are Christians. And I fear that the same thing which has happened in our country and our military is happening in the church. There is less and less a percentage seeing the importance of giving of themselves in service to one another. I want us to look in the Gospel of John, chapter 13 this morning. As we look at a beautiful picture of who Jesus was. We're going to look in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, to verse 12. Verse 12 says this, So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. We have the scenario of the Last Supper. There they were, the last night that Jesus would be with his disciples. Imagine the last night you would see your best friend. Imagine you knew, maybe like the Waldensians in Italy, the Waldensian missionaries, when they left on their mission, they carried their coffin with them on a cart. They knew that they were going to be killed for their faith, for the preaching of the gospel. And they knew they would never be back again. I wonder what they would do on the last night with their friends. Play cards. Sing songs. Maybe play canasta. I'm not sure what I would do in that scenario. But what Jesus did on the last night with his closest friends was the dirtiest act that we can imagine. I can't imagine the feet of a person that wears sandals and sweats all day long and and walks on the road. But Jesus, among all 12 of them, humbled himself and washed their feet. I want you to look back for a second at verse 5. It says, after he took the towel that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and said to him, and Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing you do not understand, but you will know after this. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who was bathed need only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said, Do you know what I have done to you? I want to ask you three questions this morning. As Jesus asked his disciples the question, after he washed their feet, he says, Do you know what I have just done to you? Do you know what has just happened to you? The first question I want to ask this morning is, are you aware? Do you know? Did the disciples know that the king of kings had just bent down to clean the dirtiest part of their body? Do you know that the hands who created your feet have just washed your feet? Do you know that the holiest person in all history has willingly entered into your mess? Do you know that? Jesus was saying, do you understand the magnitude of what just happened? 
Do you know how many people would be willing to do that in your life? But the Son of God just did it. Do you realize what just happened to you? Maybe some of you today would say the same words of Peter. Maybe you would say, oh, you can't clean me. You're not going to wash me. Maybe some may think that their life has been too dirty for the master to clean. Maybe there are parts of your life that you don't want uh, Jesus to see or Jesus to enter into. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever known a parent who has loved their little baby less once that child had a dirty diaper? Oh, I can't have this. You're just going to have to fix that situation. No. No. And if you think that illustration is dirty or nasty, then you do not even know the extent of our own sin. You do not know the extent to what Jesus went to on the cross to clean up your mess. The Bible declares that even our righteous acts are like filthy rags to God. And I could share what the Bible meant by filthy rags, but I will save that. For another time. If even our righteousness is like filthy rags, what does our sin smell like to a holy God? But Jesus, in his act of service, he says, I'm willing to clean you. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm willing to do whatever it takes for you to be clean. As the disciples would years later record the works of Jesus and look back on that event, they would know that this event was prophesying his work on the cross. That if Peter thought it was unthinkable for the Messiah, God's chosen one, to clean his feet, how much more unthinkable would it be for Jesus to humble himself to the point of the cross? Oh, Jesus, you can't clean my feet. If he thought that was unthinkable, how much more was the cross unthinkable? Do you know what has been done to you? You know, some churches take the foot washing thing literal. What I mean by that is they practice foot washing as an ordinance along with communion and the Lord's Supper. Boy, that'd be an intimate church right there. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I love you as your pastor, but I don't want your nasty, corn, stinky, working all day feet. But some churches do. They get down there and they wash each other's feet. Now, we, we, of course, know that Jesus was telling us to serve other people in humility. That was the, the example. But some churches do literally practice that on regular. If you want to bring that up at next, next business meeting, that's between you and the Lord. But the fact is, when we start meditating on what the Lord has done for us, that His death on the cross removed our sin then there is nothing too great that which we can do for our Lord. Amen? So I ask the first question today. Are you aware of what the Savior has done for you? Are you aware that He has entered into your mess to clean you like no one else was willing to do? Do you know that the God who created you hung upon a tree so that you can have eternal life? Are you aware of that this morning? 
Do you know that the king of kings stepped from a throne to a manger and lived a complete life of no sin, thereby becoming the perfect sacrifice for your sin? Are you aware of that? Do you know that salvation is offered to anyone who would believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know that this morning? Are you aware? The second thing I want to ask you today after are you aware is this. Are you a student? Are you a disciple? Look at verse 14. Jesus says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. Jesus says, If you call me your teacher, and I'll wash your feet, then you should do the same. You should model the behavior which I, your teacher, have modeled. But the key here is that they called him teacher. They called him Lord. What do you call him? We find in the account of Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he says, what do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. So what do you call him this morning? Do you, like some of the other religions in the world, think that Jesus was simply a good prophet? Among the other prophets like Moses, Muhammad, or Buddha. Do you think that Jesus simply repackaged what others have been saying throughout history? And that he was a really nice guy who got a lot of people to follow him. Because this is what most of the world thinks of Jesus. Most of the world thinks that Jesus was a pretty man with a pretty smile. You know, look in most churches, they got a picture of Jesus and it looks like he has kind of some blonde highlights. Because we like to think that Jesus was Anglo-Saxon, not Mediterranean. Jesus has blue eyes because we want him to look like us. And he's real pretty, nice jawline, nice beard, gazing into the distance. Scripture doesn't say there was anything comely about the, the appearance of Jesus. Jesus wasn't just a pretty guy that had people to follow him. He was more than a nice guy. He was more than a prophet. He was more than a teacher. He was more than a leader. He was the son of the living God. He was the creative force of the universe. He was everything that was beautiful before anything that was beautiful was created. He was beautiful before the sunset. Jesus was beautiful before the mountains. He was beautiful before man's eye ever first laid upon a starry night. The beauty of Jesus has always existed. Oh, the beauty of Christ is what all other beauty points us to. Because one day everything else will fade away. Except the beauty of Jesus. 
I don't know what you call him today, but I call him sweet Savior. I will call him blessed Lord. I will call him the Jireh of my Jehovah. I will call him the fountain from the mountain. I will call him King of Kings. I will call him Jesus. Who do you call him today? Is he the pattern that you follow? Is he your example? Is Jesus your example or is Kim Kardashian? Are you like Christ Messiah or Kobe Bryant? Who is the pattern for your life? Do you have more stories memorized from People Magazine or from the Word of God? Whenever no one laughs at something, it means it's probably true. (laughs) How does the preacher know that? (laughs) Are you following in the footsteps of the lame or the footsteps of the lion? Well, I want you to do something today. I want you to stop just going to church. And I want you to start being the church. Now hear what I just said. Your relationship with God is not defined by where you go. It's defined by who you are. You see, if all of us gathered at Troutman's Saturday mornings for bacon, eggs, and sausage and had devotional, which I'm not opposed to, by the way, but if we did that, we would equally be the church. As we are now. The building doesn't define who we are. So I want you to have an active faith, not a passive faith. I want you to get in the game and stop sitting on the sidelines. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rudy. And he goes through junior college all those years to try to play football. Then he goes to Notre Dame and finally gets on the team, and he's basically a punching bag for the rest of the team. And Rudy is so small. But in his last game of his career at Notre Dame, the crowd starts chanting, Rudy, 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 Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, and they get going, and finally the coach puts him in, and he makes the last tackle. You see, the scripture says in Hebrews 12, that since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that we should run the race, that we should get in the game, that we should get involved. Because we're surrounded by an angelic heavenly host chanting your name. Maybe you're Judy. And the angels are chanting, Judy, 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 Judy. And anytime you step up to get involved in ministry, in the church, in sharing the gospel, on a mission trip, in Sunday school, in the nursery, in vacation Bible school, sweeping the floors, cutting watermelon, or giving somebody a cup of water, the angels start chanting for you. Amen. 
Are you aware? Are you a disciple? And then lastly, are you obedient? John 13, 17 says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Your translation may say happy. Blessed, happy, either way, I'll take one or the other. I'm blessed and happy today, amen? He says, if you know these things, then blessed are you if you do them. But if you know these things and don't do them, there's no blessing. If you know these things and don't do them, there's no happiness. What is found in Christianity through the example of Christ is that fulfillment doesn't come from serving self, but comes from serving others. Imagine that. All these books all across the world, they're called self-help books. One time I was in a bookstore. I was looking in the, some section. The guy says, uh, hey, do you know where the self-help section is? And I says, if I told you, wouldn't that defeat the purpose? <laughs> I'm going to scratch that one off. All these books are going to tell you how to help yourself and better your life. But see, Jesus said, when you help others, that's really what will make your life better. Are we obedient to the commands of Jesus? If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Before today, you may not have known those things and, and no guilt. But the problem is, once you hear the word of God, and you do know these things, now you have an option. Now you have an option. Either follow the blessed life, or follow your own path. You may have heard of a pastor, his name Johnny Hunt. Pastor of one of the largest churches in Georgia, Georgia former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. My last pastor I served with was mentored by Johnny Hunt. And one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Dr. Johnny is this. You are most like Christ when you serve. 